0: which comes to us from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 26 verses 17 to 30, which you can follow along if you're at home either on screen or in a Bible of your own. And if you're here, you can open up a Bible as well. I believe the pew Bibles are there. Or you can follow along in the bulletin as Kathy has so aptly provided you with the scripture. (laughs) So let us listen now to God's holy word. On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where do you want us to go to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He said to them, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is near. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover meal. When it was evening, he took his place with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. And they became greatly distressed, and they began saying to one another, Surely not I, Lord. He answered, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The son of man goes as it is written, but woe to the one by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been better for that one not to have been born. Judas, who betrayed him, said, surely not I, rabbi. He replied, you have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after having blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will never drink of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom, when they had sung the hymn, they then went out to the Mount of Olives. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Sorry, I just going to put that down so the folks over there can see, see me. Maybe they don't want to see me, who knows? Growing up, my family would often take trips down to the Jersey Shore. I have a lot of fond memories of building sandcastles, of beachcombing, of being out in the water, and the excitement my dad and my sister had for catching waves on their boogie boards. The beach certainly holds a lot of nostalgic memories that bring me back to a different moment in life. It's not that things back then were simpler or more straightforward or easier to comprehend, but I think it's more that I lived in that moment If you can think of a time, perhaps you would say to yourself that you also lived in that moment. And what I mean by that is this, that there wasn't much care that I had for what was going to happen next. I was simply present in the moment. I didn't care if I didn't put on that sticky, slimy sunscreen, sunscreen that my parents wanted me to put on. I didn't care then if the next day I had bad sunburn. I just cared about building a darn good sandcastle that could withstand the incoming tide. In any case, there's a call today for us to pause and consider Moments like that, or feelings like that, or experiences like that, that give us pause. That give us pause to consider what it is that really feeds our heart, really feeds our heart, our bodies in a way that's both physical and spiritual, something that may even cling to us like the salt air. and helps us recall who it is that prepares a table for us, who prepares a seat for us at the end of a long day of work or play. As I mentioned before, there's a video that went along with this week's sermon or this week's uh, song in scripture. And this video is again of, of Jimmy Buffett sitting down with his daughter Delaney and she sort of grills him about the back story of some of these songs. It is pretty amusing uh, how she keeps asking probing questions, but she asks him to sort of dive behind the story of this song, Tin Cup Chalice, which you heard Jim and I play. As Buffett gives his answer, he talks about his journey as a musician, as a person down from Nashville trying to become a country star down to the Key, Florida Keys. And when he finally made it to Key West, Buffett recalls this cultural event where people would stop at the end of the day, stop whatever it was they were doing to watch the sunset. People would come out from wherever they were, and you would have artists playing in the street, people just having a good time with one another to watch the sun go down. And it was then that Buffett told his daughter that Key West was the place where he knew he was meant to be. I think personal touchstones like this one story Buffett tells or the one I shared or one that you can come up with from your own life experience, I think these cultural touchstones draw us to a place where we remember what gives us life, what it is that inspires us to live, to wake up day after day and draw a new breath that offers praise for the gift of life, or at least see the world in a new way. Perhaps we find it in a sunset or on an ocean breeze, or maybe or maybe we find it in the bread we break and the cup we share. What keeps us, so from experiencing this kind of serenity, this kind of inner spiritual peace that we hear not only is meant to sustain us in our scripture reading for today, but also the kind of peace that Buffett is talking about in his song? There's a lot for us as people of faith to look at when we talk about the things that keep us from the elements of the table that sustain us or grant us that peace, that grace. A lot of it has to do with this false sense of scarcity that we think there isn't enough at the table to go around. So we hustle, we bustle, we try to accumulate as much as we can for ourselves without thinking about our neighbor Or creation, or God. We're so busy trying to just meet whatever it is we want that we don't stop to see that the table is more than capable of accommodating as many people as God invites. There is no scarcity. It's what Judas was trying to do when he betrayed Jesus for a little sack of silver, trying to make his way in life what he thought was best. It's what Buffett was trying to escape from as he made his way down to the Florida Keys. This false sense of scarcity is something that impacts Not just our own lives, our own sphere of influence, but it's something that we often see in our communities. For example, how many of us have said or thought or heard other people say something along the lines of, Why should I help them? It's my money. Or you could fill it in with whatever your cliche uh, phrase is. In the church, we're not immune from this either, unfortunately, this idea of scarcity or false scarcity. People in the church have often said that only certain people get to heaven or only certain people get to attend this church. I was talking with a friend recently about communion. And I was sharing with him historically, Presbyterians have this weird thing about communion here in the United States. You would often have pastors go around visiting their parishioner with elders. And if they deemed that person worthy to receive communion, they would get a token. <laughs> no token, no communion for you. <laughs> A lot's changed, though, now. You've heard me said at the communion table that it is a place open to all people. You don't have to be Presbyterian. You don't have to be perfect. You don't even have to have all the answers in regards to life or faith. You just have to come with a heart, a soul that is hungry to find what it is we are talking about here today. Along this same line, if we're talking about coming to the table, trying to find this kind of serenity or peace that we are hearing about in our scripture and in the song for today, there's also this part about trust, about belief. We actually need to believe that what we are receiving is providing us with the means to find rest or find peace or find the comfort we are looking for. It's not enough to simply go through the motions of breaking bread, of praying, of meditating, whatever your spiritual practice is. It's not enough because we need to trust and believe that what we are doing when we come to worship or when we enter into a time of prayer is helping us find the place God is leading us. I think when we can move beyond this false sense of scarcity when it comes to grace or peace, when we can learn to trust, believe, that's where things get interesting, because it means then that our world has ultimately changed from the very moment we decided to respond to God's love. It helps us then understand why Jesus broke bread with Judas, the one who would betray Jesus. Jesus broke bread with Judas not because It was an obligatory gesture. But because Jesus really had prepared a seat for Judas. There was room for Judas at the table. Now, this is my own bias, but if there was one person who, in my opinion, didn't deserve communion, Judas would maybe be high on that list. (laughs) But Jesus proves us wrong, proves me wrong. Jesus prepares a seat for all of us to have our fill so that we can get pumped up about it, that we can't help but then invite others to come and join us. Because there's enough for everyone, whether they've earned it or not. There's a seat at the table that Jesus has prepared, or there's a place down on the beach with the sand between your toes with a tin cup chalice filled with good red wine or your drink of choice that helps to heal our weary bodies and achy souls. All we have to do is believe that God's love is life changing. Not God's peace is powerful enough to be life-altering. What I find beautiful is that the nourishment of our soul, or the nourishment that our souls need, comes in vessels that don't have to be fancy. It's a reminder that our salvation and our grace does not have to come from a finely crafted gold chalice, in fact, a simple tin chalice will do just fine. If we can begin to understand that, then our lives become more enriched because we can begin to see more clearly than what it is God's love is doing in our lives. And if we can be happy with the love and mercy that flows from this simple chalice of God, then the salt water that clings to our skin, will be like us almost wearing the love of God wherever we go. And that line about the salt water clinging to us like God's love, that comes from our church gym, not Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> it may take a little bit of searching on our part, a little bit of self-realization to understand what it is God is offering us. But once we get a taste of it, it will evolve into that ecstatic state of love, of a desire to embrace that moment of peace, transformative peace, not just for ourselves, but for all of us. It's something so powerful. That it's almost like that ending line of the chorus for Buffett's song where he wants to go back down and lie beside the sea there, eventually die beside the sea there. Friends, at the end of the day, may we remember who it is who prepares a seat for us who welcomes us, who challenges us to partake of this meal every day so that our lives may be transformed. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.